find, but I'm sure I can find something. Well, I guess that's... We're on roll. We're going right now. Uh, you were talking about how a lot of people liked the last podcast. I think so, yeah. My question to you is where does this... Okay, so real quick, before we even started the podcast, okay. we're thinking about doing a nutritional video, which it'll probably come out by the time this, or right around the same time that this podcast will come out, going to a store and finding some macro-friendly dessert options. Uh-huh. And immediately, Kale's like, oh. We got this. Yeah. <laughs> Where does this, t- this deep desire of like... Of, of like food? Food in general. Anytime we get on a food discussion, oh, man. It's your one, eyes light it's up. It's one of my favorites. Um, I don't know. One of your like, favorite topics to jam on, for sure. I think so. Um... I don't know. I think I generally just love food. I just love, like, I love the act of eating food. I love food. So you're um, a foodie. But do you like to cook food? I like to cook, too. Okay. Uh, I don't mind to cook at all. Usually uh, people who are very passionate about eating food also like to cook food. Like to cook? Like I it's not very often you find one or the other. Not, they don't they necessarily like to eat. They don't necessarily, they, it's not like they don't like to cook and vice versa. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, I love barbecuing. Like, I, I love, like, making, like, little pot. Me and Sydney will make, like, pasta, like, homemade pasta stuff. Um, I don't know. I just like it. Um, I feel like from, ever since I was little, my dad, like, always made sure we ate all our food, mm-hmm. no matter, like, what he cooked, right? And so... Hungry kids in Africa. And for sure. And I know, like, we would always go to Kyoto's as, like, a kid. And for some reason, like... Kyoto? Kyoto's. And I always made it my Kyoto. goal to eat all of my hibachi food. Like when I was a little kid, like you had the goal of doing yeah. that. Now let me ask this: Was it more so because I mean, you enjoyed food, or was it more so like I'm trying to get big? Oh uh, no, no, it was just literally like I'm going to eat all this food just to impress my my dad. Okay, <laughs> right? right. And so I feel like ever since then, this is how it's always been. Now think about when I was a little bit younger, some of the food I could put down, and now I think about it, like, there's no way I could eat that kind of food anymore. Uh, I think now it's more like your body your is probably like used to eating like that rich food and like all that kind of stuff. But like I now, guess. if you were to eat it, you would fill up in like two seconds, you know? Well, I can recall being younger. I was probably late elementary school at the time. And my dad buying donuts that morning. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, I ate 10 Dude, glazed donuts. I don't know. Okay, that's a really good point because I remember in like middle school and high school. Not even high school, really. It was more like middle school. Like, we'd go spend the night at somebody's parents' house, and their parents would just go get donuts, right? Mm-hmm. And, dude, we would put away some donuts. Now, you eat, like, three or four donuts, and you're done. Well, for me... At my, least for me. Well, and maybe it's just a different... My palate has changed over the years, especially in the past decade, where I've gradually worked myself to eating more and more whole food. Mm-hmm. Compared to when I was younger, eating all takeout and junk food. Now, if I eat a donut, like two or three, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm over it. You're over it, yeah. my, It's so, it's so, um, I'm trying to think of the word, like so much sugar and grease and taste. Like it tastes great, right? But, well, yeah, but at the same time, I'm like, it's so overwhelming that I'm getting like pat fatigue just by eating these eating couple of donuts. Compared to eating like 10, when you're eating sugar all the time, yeah. sugar's not as, right? yeah, it's not as much of a sensory overload compared to when For you sure. don't eat it. Uh, and it's kind of the same thing I told somebody this the other day because we were talking about, I don't know if I was working with somebody, I don't know if somebody I was working with nutrition for or was having a general conversation and they were talking about how they're having sugar cravings mm-hmm. in the, especially in the afternoons and that's what most people have is usually at nighttime. Yeah. And fruit is usually a great option to help curb that. I know, but at least for me, when I started eating whole food options, berries didn't really taste that sweet. Yeah. Fruit didn't really taste that sweet. It kind of tastes almost blandish. 
but over the years of consuming whole foods more regularly and less sugar, that berries can kind of curve that sweet for you. Right? Yeah, can kind of yeah. curve that sweet taste for me comparatively if I just you know before in the past when I didn't do that. Yeah, I always found like the longer you go without sweets, the sweeter fruit it mm-hmm. tastes. There you with the John Giorgetti story. Uh, maybe I don't know. So this out. was years and years ago. It was probably like 2015 time frame. He'll, he'll be able to tell you the story. I remember he went a year of not eating sugar, at least not like, I'm sure, obviously you're having so much, everything's yeah. got some sugar to a degree, but you know, he avoided like candy and cakes stuff, right? and things of that nature. And he went a year and at the year marker, he went to, is it McAllister's that has like the bread pudding or something like okay. that? Some some he really Summer enjoyed, and he said he got about halfway through it. He pretty much threw up. Oh really? But it was something beforehand that he could down no problem and loved it. That's crazy. That's kind of crazy. <clears throat> ah man, that would make me sad. That makes sad. <laughs> that would make me sad, man. I waited a whole year and didn't eat sweets, and then went to my favorite dessert place and, and he couldn't had get my down? favorite dessert and had like half of it. I think I'd almost be mad. If you lose fantasy football this year, that's going to be your punishment. Oh, my God. I don't know if I can That would be a tough one. Well, the thing is, though, you could lie and obviously not. Like, oh, yeah, I'm sticking to it and not really No, I mean, that would be something I'd probably just say yes so I don't have to go get spray tanned or some bullshit. Oh, shit. I'd rather probably do that than go get spray tanned. I'd be interested to see that salad team go down. Yeah. I don't – okay. So, for all the people listening – what are the two things we have right now for the funny fantasy football punishments? One would be like spray tan. And well, it kind of it kind of coincides with each other. One was a bodybuilding competition that you can't oh, train for, duh, duh. and then two was a spray tan. But if you're going to do a bodybuilding competition, you got to do the spray you tan. Guess, you're almost doing both at that point. Okay. Um, that would be hilarious. Though. But the idea being, whoever gets last has to go get a spray tan with the darkest spray tan color that you can get. Yes. Now, how it's going to work out with Steven, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know about that one. We're gonna have to We'd have to like call them up like, hey, can a black dude get a spray tan? How this works? I bet you still could though, because like when they go get when they go when they do like don't like black bodybuilders get spray tans? Like they get spray tans, hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. So it's sure. definitely a possibility, but the thing is, like with Steven, it probably wouldn't be as funny. No, but it, I mean, I bet he would be. He'd definitely. Be. I don't know. I always felt like if I got to talk to Steven about this and see what he would say. Really? What do you say? I don't know. I have to. Oh. I, need, I need to. I think like when they go to the bodybuilder competition, they almost look like. Almost like like your wood table right here. Like they look like more. So like, like a, more of a like brown, brown color. Like more of a brown color. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But that would be hilarious. Okay, okay. we're back. We got to phone call for a second. Rolling. All right, we're good. All right. Anyways, but now it should be interesting fantasy football punishment wise when we end up coming up with this year. Yep, Cody's got to pay up this year. So you saw they released the uh, first workout. Huh? I did. It was uh, double unders, short overhead, and back squats. Yeah, three rounds for time for Raging. This is Raging, by the way. Uh, three rounds, 25 back squats, 75 double unders, 25 shoulder overhead. Okay. And then 25 synchronized burpees facing the line. After each round? No, just total. Just like a I think it's total. Okay. I don't think it's his buyout. So three rounds and then buyout burpee? So, because we know it makes sense you do three rounds, not just put 25 synchro burpees with okay. the rounds itself, right? All right. And so that, I think you could do the three rounds and you finish off the 25. It's starting to get sneaky. This is the second year they've they've not announced the movement. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't think they announced back squat, did they? No, but I figure they probably are. If you can shoulder overhead one fifty five and you can power clean one eighty five, you, you can probably know to like back squat. But Nick was saying like they were showing that they don't really have that many people signed up right now. Right now they do not. 
Like looking at it, I think for our division, you only have like six. Uh, the girls have five. five, I think. Two of which coming from our gym. Yeah. Uh, Brandon and Sydney's been licking. Uh, I don't, I told, I feel like, all worried about it yesterday. Well, visually like, looking at it, I'm, I'm, in my opinion, the gym is probably 20% of their total. 20%, probably. Um, I, I was like, don't worry about it until like last week of September. I feel like, because most it's people are probably going to sign up like. Probably between like September fifteenth yeah. and like the end of September. Yeah, it's super early. People are gonna sign up and just like last minute, just find a buddy and like do it right. Um, but I bet they. I when does registration technically close? I don't know. I don't know about that. I know they just said they just released yesterday like membership sign up mm-hmm. rates are gonna go up soon or whatever. Um, but I always felt like they should keep the individual. I feel like they got a lot of people from the individual. Well, Nick had said last year when he finished up the final, and they had got. They were kind of sitting in the back before mm-hmm. the, the podium and stuff. That he was pl- t- or toying with the idea of just doing teams. Yeah. Uh, and probably just from a logistics standpoint, it might be easier just to do one or I the imagine. other. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so he's maybe looking at it as... It probably makes their whole day run way smoother. Way smoother, way easier. Teams. And you're probably looking at it like, okay, well, I get more people signed up for team currently mm-hmm. than I do individually. So if I just do all team, then it might be do do better. Well, and obviously it's still yet to officially be seen one way or the other, but I guess we'll find out. Yeah, and, and like I said, I mean, you, you still got a, a month for people to sign up at this point. Yeah. Um, but I I told Sydney I was like, probably like I think you hope for twelve teams. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the years that me and Jacob did it back in the day about how many we had, and. It, I want to say it's somewhere around like 15 or something. 15, yeah. 15 to 20. Not much. Um, Usually males always have more than females. Probably. Uh, but she was like hoping to get 20. And I was like, if you got six now, like we're just hoping to double that. <laughs> I yeah. was like, let's just hope to like get I 12. Think, like I said, if they can get like 10 to 12 is, is a pretty good number for, sure. for teams. 100%. For sure. <laughs> so anyways, I, I figured, so I'll kind of, we'll kind of jam back and forth here. It's not right. necessarily like a podcast. It's all about kale. But last week you were kind of giving me the questions. So you got questions. So I got questions. Okay. And now right. we can. And this is like I said. I'll initially ask the question. You can give your particular input, and I'll kind of jam in back. Go up. after. All How right. about that? All right. What so we got first. All right. So we got. Well, technically, one is already kind of off the list with your passionate food talk. Oh, okay. So that cool. was kind of that was kind of one right out the gate. Uh, so, what do you feel like is? And it had to be like. You can list off as many as you want. It could just be one. It could be 20. Some common traits you see from members who see the best results um, from their training or just, just in like general. Just like results in general? Who, who just see the best results? Like what are, what are the common traits you see from people who you feel like are great at members of the gym who also see some of the best results from the gym? Uh, I would say number one being consistent, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean – I know we preach this all the time, like consistency over everything. Uh, but I mean, being consistent is like, I mean, that's that's probably top of the list. Um, I mean, they show up Monday through Friday for the most part. They're making it at least four or five times a week. Um, those are like for sure people that you're gonna see a difference in. Uh, but two, probably like, I know one that kind of goes under the radar is like they actually like ask questions, mm-hmm. um, and meaning like they're not just like showing up with the whiteboard like hey do you think i could do rx it's more of like hey like what reps team are you doing like hey like what should i expect to feel in this workout is this like more of a lung workout more of a small leg workout um just generally caring more i would yeah. say um and then probably three being 
most of the time they have somebody else in the gym that they can kind of like feed off of. Uh, meaning like, let's say like I'm working out every day at five, they probably have somebody else in that five o'clock class that they're texting or they're talking to or like they can't wait to get here. They maybe like trade ideas off the workout with. Um, but I would say probably those, those three or four things that are just kind of listed off right there. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably, I'll say I agree with all three of those, but maybe a little bit more in-depth discussion on each individual one. So okay. obviously consistency <laughs> being a factor, which as a gym, we preach the, the most important right. factor of any program, whether it be nutrition-focused, aesthetics-focused, performance-focused, even this in everyday life, like consistent. Ultimately, at the end of the day, is you are what you consistently do. Mm-hmm. And more so, I feel like with people who are obviously consistent with the gym are people who identify as people – or somebody that is fit okay. or somebody who is healthy, if that makes sense. It's almost, okay. a, it's almost a por- portion of their identity. Like they – like you're saying, they claim to be fit, right? Like they, they also think that they are yes. fit, right? So like probably like let's say if that you were to, confidence, right? To a degree of confidence. I mean, I think that comes with the more consistent that you become in the gym. I think a byproduct of that is the self-confidence that you get from doing that, right? Because you're doing hardship on a regular basis. And there comes a lot of pride and confidence that comes in with that, hardship. right? But what I mean by that is to say – Anyone of these people who come to the gym, do you would consider a successful member of our gym? Let's say you were a coworker of theirs. Mm-hmm. Well, probably within you know a few days or a few weeks of knowing them, you would have a good sense that they they care about their health yeah. to a degree. You wouldn't. I wouldn't say that anybody at our gym who is a successful great member of our gym, you wouldn't know that otherwise about them, right? They see that as like a portion of, not their whole identity, but a, definitely a big portion of their identity where they, they cla- a priority. it's a priority for them. It's something that they, every single day, look through the lens of what they're doing, also with health in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, comparatively to most people who who want to be healthy or think they need to be healthy, they're, they're the way they go about living their lifestyle doesn't necessarily correlate with actually good, those things, in my opinion. Yeah. So I think it's a, more of a self-identity aspect that people – and just like if you, if you classify yourself as uh, a bookworm, I mean you probably read more yeah. often than not. Your, your actions are going to go with how you identify sure. to a degree. And then what would you say your second one was? was oh, asking the questions, questions right? So yeah. curiosity. Curiosity, right? yeah. I think goes a long ways as well, like asking general well, questions. They're trying to learn, right? Well, they're trying to learn. To learn yes, exactly. Right. So, because guess the fact that they're identifying as somebody who is a healthy slash fit person, that on top of that, their curiosity is then sparked to improve upon that, mm-hmm. right? In a way that correlates with their particular fitness goal. Will it be a nutritionally related question, or a pacing question, or a weight loading question, or how do I get this particular skill? Right. Those if you people when a member is coming to you on a pretty somewhat regular basis, asking questions. How to do something? Or yeah, you, you know they're pretty much bought into the yeah. system compared to somebody who doesn't who comes inconsistently. Sure. Right. And then obviously the the third and final tier of that is kind of being submerged inside the gym culture itself and finding other like-minded people they enjoy to be around. Obviously not everybody meshes with each other. No. It, nobody meshes, not everybody meshes here at the gym. You have people who definitely 
friends with some people and they're not so friends with the others. Not that anybody hates each other, but it's more so that like this is kind of my crew of people that I For kind sure. of come well, around. You just find the people that you kind of like fit better with, I guess. But those people, I think when they find that crew of people to be with, it'll the consistency factor shoots up tenfold. Uh-huh. Compared to somebody who is kind of like the black sheep of each class who doesn't really talk to anybody and kind of off in the corner. I always say like if a newer member shows up and like they immediately like start talking to members mm-hmm. or like immediately like start getting into like let's say it's a strength beef or strict press and like you don't have to tell them to get with a group they just like automatically go to a group. Yeah. Like those members normally stay longer than a member that doesn't I feel like. Yeah more often than not. And that and it, <sighs> for some people it takes a little bit longer than others to kind of get warmed up into it. But it, on a just a, as an indicator, that's one of the first things you look for as a coach is how personal the person is. And to a degree, I guess you'd have to be a little bit of a extrovert to some kind uh, compared to an introvert. But uh, th- that, and that's not necessarily that it has to be all three of those traits. It's just as a common theme across the board. That's what that's we have found. I wouldn't necessarily like you do have some outliers that for you sure. like. For instance, they take. Like, a person that comes to mind right now that would be, like, somebody who isn't necessarily an extrovert, but definitely an introvert would be, what, Gabby. Gabby, yeah. Who comes at noon. I was going to say Shanna. Shanna. Yeah, Shanna's more quiet, more of, an, mm-hmm. more of an introvert. But naturally, it's not their tendency to be very talkative and boastful in class. You probably go through a whole class and you wouldn't even know where they were there because they're not going to talk sure. at all. Right? But they're very consistent with their workout Shana routine. They still come in four to five times every week for, for years now at this point. So it's not that it's a must, but... More often than not, as a common thread, this is kind of what you see, yeah. in my opinion. It's kind of like your common denominator. Yeah, right? like more of, like this. We're looking at each common traits you see from the most successful people. But yeah, I, I think all those three are good. I, I can't think of any that comes to mind as like a fourth one. Uh, I think more so like the, the curiosity question was definitely a, a good one. Like mm-hmm. in the way of asking, like, hey, I, you know, I've been doing blue for a while. You know, what do you think maybe about going purple? Maybe go to purple? Exactly, right? And they're kind of bouncing ideas yeah. off of you, and, and they want to kind of understand what they're doing. Well, it makes ways. me think, like, especially, like, when people are asking, like, if they should go up a color, it's, like, shows you, for one, that they want to they want to improve, right? Mm-hmm. shows you that they want to improve. But also, too, like, it shows you that they kind of have that little drive in them to, like, actually want to go from blue to purple or want to go from purple to brown, like... And that for as a coach, at least for me, like I want to see that. Like you want to see people like come up to you and ask questions, or like come up to you and want to go from blue to brown or whatever it may be, right? Well, I think some athletes will look at that as you're annoying them, yeah. or you're they're annoying you as a coach to ask those general questions. I think the only time you as a coach can get somewhat a little peeved is more on a like floor what organizational side. Peeved? Peeved? You ever heard like getting peeved? No. No? It's, I don't know. It what might not be like a word. Mad? I've used like, it before in the mad? past. You get mad? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. I'm not saying mad. Just like you get more annoyed like is agitated? when you're, you're trying to get the class structure down, uh-huh. like organization, and you've gone over it three or four times. And then, and then somebody still comes up to you like, hey, I don't have a bike. What should I do? Yes. Like, oh my God. That, that I've already, you want to lose your mind. I've already gone over this four times. Sure. That's, the, that's an example. That's a different... That's different than what we're talking about. I'm not, that's not, <laughs> that's, but when I'm talking about somebody comes up to you and they're, and they're asking, what's the best way to modify this? Or I'm looking to improve upon this. Or how should I break this thing up? Or what color should I do based off what you think I should do? All those questions are great questions sure. to ask. Just don't ask me that you don't have a bike. Exactly. Actually, 
We've that already talked the about the questions this. we don't want to hear. <laughs> well, it's one thing if you we haven't gone over it. For sure. But more often than not, we've gone but over at least two or three times. over at least twice. At least. At least. All right, next. What is, I guess, it could be singular or plural. So it could be multiple okay. beliefs or just one belief. What is? A belief that you've had, that you had about CrossFit and or fitness that has changed over the years. A belief? A belief? Um, like anything in particular that you can kind of look back on in your earlier days, either with coaching, could be coaching related, or okay. just like you as an expert, like as an athlete working out, or both. Okay. That has changed over the years compared to like when you were younger that you believe that has changed since then. Okay. I think I got it. All right. Um, I would say for me, my biggest thing, from, I'll, I'm going to go with coaching, right? Um, from when I started coaching to now. I think the biggest change that I've probably seen for me would probably be not, let me see if I can word this a little bit better. Um, knowing that not everybody has to do a pull-up or not everybody has sure. to do a bar muscle-up or not everybody has to do a ring muscle-up or not everybody has to walk on their hands. Like, I feel like when I first started doing CrossFit, I wanted to do all those things. And so like... I then wanted everybody to do those things, right? Yeah. Um, but in reality, it's like 37-year-old mom doesn't want to learn how to walk on her hands. She doesn't really have to learn how to walk on her hands, no. right? Um, so that is probably the biggest change for me. Um, it's just kind of realizing that and then also like, I guess now since I've been doing coach, been coaching a little bit longer, I know a whole lot more scaling options right sure. to actually hand out to people like that that mm -hmm. don't want to learn a pull up that don't want to walk on their hands kind of like we're saying or don't want to do a handstand push up like you have options now to kind of give that to them and but now it's also like i understand that i guess i don't i don't know else, how else to word that um but that would probably be like my biggest like thing from starting to now or at least that i've noticed for myself and that's kind of along the lines I would probably say pretty similar to, to mine because I guess two things. It's, it's kind of a little bit taught, at least back in the day, it was more taught to almost like you should want to strive for these things. Yeah. Like kind of what CrossFit methodology was producing and what, what, what they taught you, which they didn't do a great job. And I don't know necessarily, they probably do a better job now than what they did before in the past. But they would kind of act like everybody should want to do a ring muscle up yeah. and everybody should want to do hands. Like that should be everybody's goal, right? That's what you should be pushing your athletes yeah. into. It's kind of the vibe that they kind of put out. And, and also as a personal, you know, athlete, me working out, that's things that I'd like to do and wanted to do. For sure. So I mean, naturally me into CrossFit was wanting to be able to do a ring muscle up, mm -hmm. right? And so, so naturally what you believe in what you want, you think everybody else thinks and wants. And so you kind of naturally push people into those boxes when they don't necessarily need to be or and want to be. I don't know if you feel this also, but you don't even realize you're doing it, really. Mm -hmm. It's like it's kind of like one day you're just kind of like, all right, like this is not how it's probably supposed to go. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just kind of start doing it the way, that way, I feel like. But at the same time, like I guess the caveat or the grain of salt there, that as an athlete, or not as, as a coach, that I'm still not... I say this to a degree because I mean there is a time and place for it, but um, I'm not the biggest fan of also going into autopilot. If this makes yeah. sense in the way of Whoa. okay, there's a fine line. 
Well, because you do have those athletes, and it's not as many as people who want to. You kind of sometimes have to be more of the guardrails mm-hmm. for them. But you definitely have those people who are very kind of. I'm just here to check the box, and I really don't care anything outside of that. And I and I get that to a degree where you're like, dude, I'm just kind of getting a little extra, little strength training. I'm trying to get break a little sweat. I want to breathe a little bit. But, you know, if I stay in orange, I'm cool with that. I don't want to go any further. And there's a little bit of, uh, I don't, I'm trying to think of the word that may, it just doesn't quite sit well with me as a, uh, as a, as a coach where I'm like, I, I would like to see more effort on a regular mm-hmm. basis from you. I know what you're trying to say though. Yeah. I'm, I don't know what the best way to kind of verbalize that, yeah. but. But you know where I'm going yeah, with that, sure. where somebody's always going to come in and we're going to do back squats. They're we're going to do back squat 95 pounds. And they're going to put a 10 on each side of the bar yeah. and they're going to do six reps and they're going to be sitting there talking to Jane while they're, squatting. while they're doing the six reps. For sure. And then they rack it and they're working out and they slightly get out of breath and they sit there and they take a good 30 second break and they'll kind of go back into it. I think you could still have intention, right? Mm-hmm. With the movement, let's say we're just going to go with back squat because you just use back squat, but like, I think that everyone should learn to have intention for a movement or for a strength piece or for a workout. Like there should be intention in what you're doing. Um, and I think as long as you have an intention, I feel like you're okay. But I feel like if you just like, all right, we're just gonna walk through the doors today. We're gonna look at the board. We're gonna do orange. All right, we're doing ninety-five pound back squats. We're gonna go through the workout, do that, then we'll go home. Yeah, and I think attention's a good word. We're like, a, you need to, you need to have a somewhat of a challenge. Yeah when you're coming in on a daily basis. It doesn't necessarily mean that a workout has to completely spit you out, you have to switch you out afterwards. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're straight into your eyeballs pop out. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is that you should get a little uncomfortable when you're, if we're doing a back squat, like you should have a little bit of a strain going on For sure. doing a back squat, right? Like on a scale of one to 10, probably is a fall somewhere between a six and an eight. If you don't have to brace, you should have to brace. <laughs> you should have to take that big breath in. You should have to hold your breath and you should have to hold it till you stand up. Exactly. For the most part, right? You shouldn't right. be able to just like breathe lollygagging through a back squat in a yes. piece. Like there, there needs to be some type of challenge that occurs during the workout. And that's still something that I don't know. And maybe as I get older, maybe that will change. I don't know. But as of right now, that's still something that... But I don't feel like that's a bad thing as a coach to want from your your members. Well, I right? think that's a little bit, and that's kind of to agree why you are there is like to, you're wanting your members to strive for better and not just sit in the same sinkhole for mm-hmm. three years. Right. And then, cause inevitably Maybe sinkhole's a bad word, but like, that's essentially what you're doing. Well, inevitably what ends up happening is years go by. And then that individual person maybe says something along the lines of maybe they're not happy with the results. Maybe that they're seeing you made the across for five years and they say that, right? And you're like, well, dude, you literally come in every single day and you've been doing orange for five years now or yellow you've for five used, years. You've you got to pound dumbbells for three years. You're going to have to give me a little bit more effort yeah. here. It, I mean, and definitely to a degree, I have somewhat pulled back on the, like every workout has to put you into the dirt kind of yeah. mindset. And I used to kind of really push that onto athletes, especially when I was younger, that every, every workout had to be like hardcore sure. as, as fast as you can go. And I've even pulled back on that to a degree where it's not every workout needs to smash you by any means. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I still need to see, like you said, intention and effort 
put forth into the workout, right? It might not be not 100% of what you can give me, but you're giving me like 85, 90%, 90%. more often not. Every once in a while you might have a bad day. You're like, dude, I'm just really run down today. But then I'm, just gonna, I'm kinda lighten up the load. I'm gonna go, I normally do blue, I'm just gonna do orange. Those days happen. Yeah. But when you can visually see somebody working out, and they're basically breathing through their nose, For sure. or they're able to sit there and have a full-blown conversation with you, those are the athletes you kind of have to kind of shove and like you. I need I need more out of you. And and you just said another word that that's probably like changed a lot from when I started to now coaching is getting athletes to focus more on like the stimulus of a workout rather than like actually just doing an RX workout. I feel like that's probably another yeah. huge one for. And me. I think with the color system since we introduced that compared to it was back in the day, as. Helped, a lot. helped out a ton that people have more of an idea of where that falls into. Mm-hmm. And we've had, we've had this plenty of discussions before, like on the podcast of bridging that gap from color to color, mm-hmm. going from like a blue to a purple, a purple to a brown. And a ton of times athletes are scared to jump out of that color because they don't want to miss the stimulus of the workout. Right. So it's kind of playing devil's advocate here where, Yes, the stimulus is obviously very crucial, but also it's still important for you to to keep slowly but safely pushing the envelope to a degree of trying to get yourself better. I call that growing pains. Like you're gonna have growing pains going from blue to purple. Like getting used to the weight changes. Probably you're probably gonna feel like this is heavy for. A week, maybe well, two I'll say weeks, it is right? going to be. It's going to be 5, 10, maybe 20 pounds heavier than what you're yeah. normally doing. Like, it's going to feel heavier, but yeah. you just got to come in every day. And if you really want to go from blue to purple, like, you got to put the effort. Maybe you're doing blue, but you want to start doing purple. You got to start doing purple weight. Like, you got to do something. Well, I think that's where a coach comes into play. If they can give you a better understanding of, for that individual day, if you should give it a shot that day or not. Or <clears throat> if you come in and... and kind of voice those words of I want to go from blue to purple or orange to blue what do I need to do but I know at the same time if I do purple there's no way I'm going to finish under the time cap sure. or if it's a 15 minute AMRAP and everybody's getting five rounds I'm only going to get three and the coach can give you a better understanding like look, look, I think that's a great option here's, this, here's some things in the movements or some of the movements in the workout that I know you'll do really well on I know here's some things that you're going to struggle with so let's say maybe you have more of an athlete a female who has a decent cardio engine but struggles with the weight loading. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's take, for example, yesterday's workout where you're going to do the four-meter run every single time for purple. Purple weight is normally, what, 25-pound dumbbells? 35 or 25-pound dumbbells for the girls. So we're going to do 25-pound dumbbells, but instead of doing 21-15-9, we're going to do 12-9-6 or 15-12-9 as a substitution of that. That way we're still finishing inside the stimulus of the workout. We're getting used to the load of those dumbbells, and we'll do this for and a period of time. Amount of volume with yeah. those heavy dumbbells, right? And we'll, we'll do this over a period of time and we'll slowly build the volume from there. And that's a way to slowly introduce heavier loads into the workout. And obviously, there becomes a point in time where maybe you kind of decide anything past this color is really not worth the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze anymore mm-hmm. because the weight loading is getting a little too aggressive from what my goals are, the skill levels are getting too high. And we've said this before as well, where I think majority of people, I think it's tried to hit purple on a consistent basis. So you do purple, you're, you're fit. Individual. You're a fit, you're, you're fit, fit, especially compared to the normal For sure. human. Brown and black get a little bit more competitive side of things. you get to purple, but like 
maybe you start doing brown and black conditioning pieces, right? Yeah, maybe you're doing more like you're doing the bike calories. Exactly. Or you're doing the run distance or you're doing those amount of pull-ups. But things you're like, oh, I'm not going to do that deadlift weight or I'm not going to exactly. power clean that kind of weight. Or even but vice versa, like, hey, I don't mind getting stronger, but I just don't want to do the high-level skill gymnastics mm -hmm. pieces where I'll do the power clean weight or the deadlift weight, but I'm just, instead of doing bar muscle ups, I'm going to start to strip pull-ups. Sure. Things of that nature. So it just that can be modified and adjusted to you, but I do still continue to think that you need to, as a just a, on a general standpoint, should always strive to keep looking for those new boundaries as best as you can within the means of what your goals are. I'm not saying you got to be a professional athlete, but you should still challenge yourself on a regular basis. I think that should. We always talk about it, mini goals. Like set yourself a mini goal every single day, and I guarantee you your workouts will improve dramatically yeah i'm not saying you have to smash yourself but i'm saying you do need to quote unquote challenge yourself on a regular basis and if you're just coming here on a daily basis just kind of going through the motions checking the box you're kind of breaking the sweat a little bit not really huffing and puffing then yes I'll you are honest, you're gonna see some benefit but you're not not gonna see I'll be honest as a coach that shit's so annoying because i know that that person has so much potential mm -hmm. or like because like because those people normally they show up like four or five times a week, right? And they just kind of put it in the autopilot. And I feel like that is some of the most frustrating people to coach. <laughs> just because like, I know they could do, like they have the strength to sometimes do two colors above what they're doing. Or like maybe they have the aerobic capacity to go run farther than they can run. Like, oh man, that's one that gets under my skin a little bit. Well, and you can also see like the mental transformation that happens when somebody finally flips that switch. Yeah. And they're what they've been doing. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, for sure. That's powerful. All right. Uh, this is a, a kind of switching gears for a quick second. This is actually something that you had brought up last week, but we didn't talk about in the last podcast. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts on, not necessarily it has to be quote unquote like the powder pre-workout, but like caffeine. Caffeine? Or like, you know, energy drinks pre-workout or, you know. Okay. Um, my, th I mean, I'm, if y'all, I mean, if you've seen me in the afternoon, if you Normally, I'm drinking something. Like, I'm either drinking my shaker cup. Um, normally, you probably won't see me drink more than about 400 milligrams a day. That's, like, my cutoff. Well, real quick, I feel like it's compared to, I don't know, five to eight years ago, everything was always pre-workout, like, canisters yeah. that you saw everybody bring into the gym. For sure. And nobody really... Well, now not many people do that. It's all cans. It's all cans. Right. Um, I mean... If you're not drinking a Celsius, you're drinking a Ghost. If you're not drinking a Ghost, you're drinking like whatever brand, a lime, well, whatever rain brand for it a is. While. Rain for a while. Bane's were there for forever. Um, I mean, personally, I really, really try not to go over 400. And normally, I can I can do that every day without. So I think the right? optimal range is 400 uh, or less. 400. And on average, I'd say I probably drink somewhere between like. 300 milligrams because normally I don't finish one of them. Have you ever heard Abel talk about he's done it. I think he's got himself weaned off but he was doing like a thousand twelve hundred yes. milligrams a oh day. God. So I know like I'm not going to call you out but there's a guy in the afternoon and he lives still to this day he'll drink three to four banks a day. A day. How much does the bank have? Uh, 300 milligrams. So you're 1200 milligrams. So it's 1200 milligrams 900 milligrams a day right? Oh um, my goodness. And the funny thing is like I'll be talking to him like so how many banks you drink today and he'll tell me three or four right? And I'll go well did they do anything? And he's like to be honest with you no. And I'm like at that point we know we have a problem and we gotta stop drinking. Well, I saw a meme it's like I took a or it's like drink coffee or took an energy drink 
Now I'm just tired with a high heart rate. The high heart rate, <laughs> yes, right? So now I will say this, like, so every, I have an Amazon subscription to Amino Energy, mm-hmm. right? And so I get the big container of Amino Energy, and I really do try not to buy energy drinks. So like, for instance, if I have that jug at home... Well, it's I a lot cheaper to, to do it that way, too. What? What? It's a lot cheaper to do it that way. And it's, it's, it's so much cheaper, right? Because what's so, an energy drink? Three, five dollars? Three to five dollars, right? And if you're buying an energy drink seven days a week, you know, you're spending... Probably what I can buy one container of a lot. Well, at that point in time, it lasts me a month, right? Yeah, I mean, if you if you do the math on that, if you buy one a day at five dollars a day, that's thirty five dollars. Multiply that over four. Four. At that point, you're one hundred and forty dollars deep in a month, on, right? On energy versus drinks. forty dollars, right? I mean, you probably say on a on a safe bet, a lot of people are probably spending between fifty and hundred dollars a month on oh, energy drinks. Easy, easy, because yeah. I mean, every day they're coming in with a drink, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not even showing the drinks that they probably had that morning, right? Going to work mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but normally my goal is like every month, like let's say I get that shipment in, I drink that shipment until I run out of that can. And then when I run out of that can, it's time for me to start going to the convenience stores and buying caffeine. Right. Um, but normally I would probably say 200 milligrams at probably around noon to like three. And then from there, I might have another one around four just to kind of start my coaching. But normally I don't ever finish it. I yeah. get like halfway through it. I just, I don't, I don't finish it. I don't know how people drink it. While they're in the workout, like, dude, yes, they'll be drinking. They're like the strength piece of drinking. C four, not mm-hmm. even, dude. People will, before they get on a rower, Baron. I'm gonna call his, I'll call Baron out, right? Because I like Baron. So Baron, he'll be in the afternoon. He'll be literally be middle, ten minutes in this one minute amrap, drinking his C four Starburst, and I'm like, how are you doing that right now? Um, There's no way. But I don't know, and I don't know. There's another thing. I don't understand how y'all are full on drinking like body. I call it bodybuilding pre workout for these CrossFit workouts. Like, I don't know how your heart doesn't just like fly out of your chest. Well, I don't know. It has to be like, some people are just more ca- caffeine sensitive to others. And I feel like for me... Amino energy is the most pre-workout I could do. So, I would say when I was like college days and probably up to, you know, a couple of years ago, I could do caffeine pre-workout and not really affect me. Like, I felt fine afterwards. Mm-hmm. No really spike in heart rate but probably in the past year or so if i do anything more than a cup of coffee my heart rate feels like it's gonna it's not during it's not leading up it's not during the workout after it's like the five minutes post workout my heart rate feels like it's 180 beats from, like it literally like from the time finish five minutes afterwards it will not come down it feels like my heart's gonna beat out my chest really? if i do anything more than a cup of coffee that's kind of crazy i mean but you don't ever do pre-workout though you do like carbion and whatever you do right yeah, well, so well, technically, you probably drink your coffee. You should drive over here and work out at eight, right? Yeah, so I'll I'll drink coffee. I'll have like a cup of coffee around like six fifteen, six thirty yeah. in the morning. So like you range. have it like too early or too soon to when you leave home to come work out. Is that what you're kind of saying? Well, no. What I'm saying is like anything more. Like a cup of coffee is about a hundred milligrams, eighty mm-hmm. milligrams, something like that. I'm talking anything more. Like if I were to like two cups of coffee, okay. or let's say I were to take a take an energy drink that was like three hundred milligrams, two hundred milligrams. Okay. My, I, I literally feel like I'm almost like it almost like makes me panic to a little bit degrees. I feel like I cannot get my heart rate, heart rate down. down post. It takes me ten minutes to get my heart to come back down. I feel like I can at least walk around and like have a conversation. Yeah. If I if I take in more than about hundred milligrams for the five minutes afterwards, I feel like I can't talk to anybody. I can't hardly even sit down because my heart rate's so high. Now you know something that I've noticed because I'm a caffeine. Like I mean, I love caffeine, but Every brand of energy drink 
affects me differently. Depending on what they add in there. Depending on, I don't know, maybe it's what they have in the drink or whatever it is. Well, like, essentially at the end of the day, when you're... Each crash is different, right? Well, essentially all you're essentially buying when it comes to a pre-workout or any of these energy drinks is the caffeine itself. It's the main ingredient. Yeah, yeah. You're not, you're not buying the flavor. But when it comes to all the additive things in there that they're, they're obviously supplementing with, can I guess have different effects on each individual person sure. kind of like you said where you can go through five different energy drinks and each energy drink will have a, Feels a different. different response to 100%. you and i've noticed like the ones i feel the best on are the more like the green tea extract ones uh for some reason the which me, ones the green tea extract ones okay um you feel the best so amino energy right that's a green tea extract caffeine mm-hmm. source right um and so another if for other people like that's like my favorite source of caffeine. I feel like it works for me the best. I don't crash from it. Um, and so like Celsius is a green tea extract, right? Um, and they normally work better for me uh, versus like an Alani that just tastes like a soft drink. Is that that red drink. one? Huh? Is that that red one? Uh, the Celsius ones are like the... Uh, oh, the Alani one's the red one, right? Yes, the, okay. la- the Alani's are like the cherry slush, like mimosas. Like they have all kinds of flavors, right? Um, and I think people like those because they taste so good. I've never, I've, I've never gotten into the energy drink Cody, thing. The cherry slush one, I, I try not to drink it because I'm gonna drink the whole can in like five minutes because it tastes so good. Well, I was listening to the Rich Fun podcast and that Angelo DiCicco guy was talking mm-hmm. about. He's saying which one has the sweetest fish one? Is that the ghost one? That's the ghost one. Yeah. So that he's was talking about how. Brand. Okay, yeah. so he's talking about how much he loves the sweetest fish. It one. is very good. That was my so in the all the ghosts. There's two. <laughs> y'all gonna be. I love. Okay, Kel, you you can tell Kel. Kel's tone of his voice changes so much when we talk about food or energy drink. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they have two flavors. One is called Bubblicious Strawberry, and if you were, I know for me, like as a young kid, I grew up on Bubblicious Gum. Right, the gum mm-hmm. that like it came in like rectangle packets, and they had all these flavors, and they were the best flavors, right? And so they made a strawberry one out of that gum, and it is. Like you're eating that pack of gum when you're in fifth grade. It's amazing. And then they have a Swedish fish one. I don't even freaking like Swedish fish, but this Swedish fish flavor is amazing, right? Uh, but like I said, uh, I, I like some caffeine, so. I was watching the Swedish fish thing pops to mind because here recently, Carter has been watching Do Perfect uh-huh. on YouTube. And they did one, they were ranking the top 10 candies of all time. Okay. And they put like Swedish fish at like three. Three? I'm like, I've never had Swedish fish. It's, I think it's an older, it's like an older style candy. To me, it's like, uh, you know, it's something like, for some reason, like I'll want here and now. Have you ever had a York patty? Yeah, peppermint patty. Peppermint patty? All right. Well, I used to hate on them so much. As a kid, yes. As a kid, because like, I, I'd always seem like my grandma or my grandpa eating these York patties. I'm like, y'all are nasty as hell, right? Um, but they're actually not terrible they're not terrible kaylee likes them a lot i like them they're, they're kind of one of those candies where you eat one to like three of them you're yeah. like okay i don't eat and them. you're okay and you don't need to eat it again right. right um but no that's one that like has grown on me since i've gotten older for sure yeah but you know what i still can't bring myself to eat one and i can't even necessarily have tried one but my grandma it just depends on my grandmother's house my grandma used to eat them all the time it's freaking almond joys oh dude i'm not all right because didn't it have coconut me, in there? I love me an almond joy. Almond. But is that the coconut? That's co- the coconut. Don't they have a blue one and a red one? Yeah, so they... Is a blue and a coconut yes, one? A, I think the blue one is the milk chocolate. The red one is the dark chocolate. 
Okay, but don't, they both have coconut. Yes. All right, I can't right. fucking do it. You don't like coconut? No, fuck that. You don't like at all? No. No? Okay, no. I can respect that because some people don't like coconut. Um, so my uncle, y'all getting TMI right now, but my uncle, for he always had almond joys when I go to his house, and he lived across the street from me when I was younger. Okay. And so I would always go to his house, and that's just what he had the bowl, and so like I would always eat almond joys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't eat them often now because, like, I mean, I would rather have like a Reese's egg or Reese's heart or whatever. Sure. Um, but I, if I see one, like, let's say I was going Halloween and, and I saw an almond joy, I would definitely be eating that. You're thing. the only fucking kitty one. <laughs> the only fucking one. You know, it's another nasty one that my grandma and them that I always ate too was chocolate covered raisins. Fuck, Kale. Dude, I don't know why, but uh, I love them. raisins. I, I no. Love, love. Uh, now, don't you hand me a little carton of raisins. I ain't eating them. Like I that little not. bitty box, that don't red box. Dare, they got to be covered in chocolate. So you can't have regular raisins. Nope. You know what's one thing I used to like as a kid that I don't think I could do it anymore is the uh, like the caramel little rectangles. You know little caramel rectangles? Yeah, yeah you had to like... And you literally would... Apart. Or you'd bite into it and it literally couldn't open your mouth because your teeth are stuck together. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't think I could do those anymore. See, Kyle likes milk duds. Milk duds, or I'm always wearing like movie theaters. Yep, that's why I, that's why he eats, he eats I never, movie theaters. I'm, I've never seen anybody eat milk duds outside of movie theaters. That's true, that's true, that's true. That's true. You know, uh, another movie theater, Candy and Morgan. Why the hell are we getting back? <laughs> I don't know, I like Snow it. Caps. Snow Caps. I've never had them. You never had Snow Caps? So it's not that, I know what they're talking about because they're always in the movie theaters. Yeah, it's not that fancy. It's just literally like chocolate chips almost mm-hmm. with little white sprinkles on top of them. Okay. They're not bad. I've never gotten them. Never gotten them. Those are those are pretty safe. Normally, Sydney always gets like a some sort of gummy, and then I get the popcorn. A gummy? Yeah. See, I'm not a big like gummy bear person. I don't like gummy bears, but I like gummies. But let me ask this: like, is it have like I don't mind like sour gummies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it can't be like so. Like you have the sour gummy worms, mm-hmm. and you have Trolley. regular gummy worms. Trolley worms. Yep. It has to be a sour gummy worm. Yep. Trolley worms. If you're in a trolley worms, you need to get the berry berry trolley worms. Very, very. Just saying. Kale. I can help you out if you ever need me. All right. I'm bad, bad influence right <laughs> now. All right, last thing. Last one. What we got? Why do you think, and everybody can probably attest this at some point in time, they've been doing CrossFit for a long enough time, that you have a discussion, or somebody asks you maybe, it's different for me to do, like, what do you do for work? Or, mm-hmm. like, hey, man, you work out. And you mentioned something about CrossFit. Okay. That the first response is either A, they can't do CrossFit mm-hmm. because of X, Y, and Z reasons, or B, they don't like CrossFit because of X, Y, and Z reasons. Okay. And what was the question about that? So why do you think that is? Like why do you think why? like why does CrossFit have more of a a um, stigma behind it than necessarily than let's like say this, like an orange theory? I feel like this is a super easy one to answer. I feel like when CrossFit, I don't know, I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel like when CrossFit started, I feel like there were so many people running CrossFit gyms that did not know what the hell they were doing, mm-hmm. which caused people then to get hurt at a very high rate, mm-hmm. which then caused doctors and everybody else to just say CrossFit is this worst, this terrible thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I truly, truly believe that that is why everybody has such a bad opinion on CrossFit. Um, just because, I mean, CrossFit is not, for everybody that doesn't know, CrossFit is nothing, like, one CrossFit gym is totally different than the CrossFit gym three streets over, right? It's individually owned, like, it's not a blueprint program, like, 
the owner is what makes your CrossFit gym. And I feel like there were so many people that just wanted to open up CrossFit gym because that was the thing to do and didn't actually know what the hell they were doing right, which then caused people to do kipping pull-ups when they're not supposed to be doing kipping pull-ups or bring muscle-ups or whatever, end up hurting themselves. And then all these people know about it, right? Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but that's how I see it. I think that's definitely something that has lingered mm -hmm. over the past you know, 10 years. It was more prevalent, I would say, 2010 probably to 2018 has yeah. definitely been probably the primary reason. I think maybe it's changed a little bit over the years. Well, now it's different, right? I'm not talking well, no. about everything I just said is not now. Well, I still, I still think that's still relevant today. And sure, for sure, 100%. Because you definitely still have like chiropractors or doctors or name the profession that has to do something with the healthcare system. And somebody goes, and you hear it, that you'll hear, you know, somebody goes to the doctor and like, well, do cross it. like, oh, that's like the worst thing you can do. And I can't tell you how many times when I was going to get my surgery, every damn doctor's appointment I had for my shoulders, it was something bad about it. If some, one of the doctors was saying some bullshit about CrossFit, and I'm like, what you really don't know is I, I hurt my shoulders bench pressing 95 pounds. Like, it yes. wasn't like I was doing some crazy thing. Exactly. Like, it was literally 95-pound bench press, right? Well, what's the last person that you can think of that had surgery from purely just CrossFit? Just CrossFit? That you can think of. I mean, old girl that broke her wrist. But that was like a complete... Arm. But, like, that's not from CrossFit. That's, that's just a complete from, like, accident. Crazy-ass incident, right? Um, I mean, I, I mean, if there is somebody, I can't really think of it. Nobody comes to mind, right? like, in particular. Like, they know, for instance, like, this happened from doing CrossFit. Yeah. And I definitely think that is a stigma that's still underlying, especially with the healthcare professional is that you know they've been in the game for 10, 20 years. That's kind of already kind of set in the brain. That's what CrossFit is. Yeah. That's how you, that you're going to well, get Well, they haven't had anything to change it, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and obviously, I think over the years, you had this CrossFit bubble that formed because of the fact that you, know, you can go take a weekend seminar in the next week. Sure. You could literally be you can an operator the plants, go do CrossFit one time, Say, hey, I kind of like this. I think I can make some money off of this. <laughs> and go do a level one certification in New Orleans or Houston for the weekend. And then go rent out a location. Open it up. In a, get a little bit of equipment and open up a gym. You don't even have to do CrossFit one time. You can just hear about it and go do it. Sure. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's relatively, you don't have to know. You don't even have to know what CrossFit is sure. and sign up for it. And in doing so with the complex movements, things that you obviously that occur inside the CrossFit realm, if you don't do those things properly and just allow people to kind of go at it, obviously a disaster can, can occur. Mm -hmm. So obviously that has changed over the years as more and more coaches have gotten educated on how to modify these things, adjust the intensity down, and it's been a better job of kind of swinging the pendulum back to the middle. For sure. Instead of being so far over, like it's... In the left field. Kind of how we talked about earlier on, like everybody's got to do muscle-ups, everybody's got to do pull-ups, everybody's got to do handstand push-ups. That's not the case anymore. Now, and we've had this discussion before when it comes to, especially like in family discussions. Yeah. And I had one with my uncle not too long ago because he, the guy who sells the honey. Okay. Here, right? He came by, just, he was randomly in the area just when it got by. Look at the gym. 
and uh, and you and you hear this a lot, especially from older people or even sometimes younger people, where they're like, "Oh man, yeah, I would do CrossFit. You know, that's got a bad back. I got bad knees mm-hmm. or I got bad shoulders, and I just can't do that kind of stuff." And you and you hear it pretty frequently from people that they have some type of ailing injury as what's prohibiting them from doing doing CrossFit. And uh, and my my question usually pops in my head is, okay, since you haven't done anything, how's that working out for you? Yeah. Because obviously you still got a bad back, you still got bad knees, you still got bad shoulders. Trey McHugh says it pretty well. And this is one thing I'll give him is he said, if I'm 60 years old, doing CrossFit and I have two banged up knees, but I'm active and I can move around and all this kind of stuff, right? And I have two bad knees from, let's say, working out. But if I'm 60 year old, not doing a damn thing, sitting on my couch with a bad back and two bad bum mm-hmm. knees and I can't get off the couch, which one would you rather be, right? Well, and that's kind of deal. And maybe that's not exactly how it says it, but that's kind of the, what I'm trying to get at. It's like, I would rather have two bad knees doing something and make that something that makes me feel better every single day or maybe something that makes me be able to go play with your grandkids or whatever it is, right? Then you just sit on a couch and just like not be able to do a damn thing, right? Well, like I think Greg knows what he says. Along the same lines. I'd really have a bum shoulder or a bum knee than a bum heart. There you go. That's a better way. It's a better way of more simplistic way. And so many people fall into that realm of they they put themselves so much into a box that like they can't do anything physically active because of these quote unquote injuries that they have. But how many people that you've seen as well who had to have knee surgeries or shoulder surgery who don't do shit? Yeah. All the time. You see it all the time. For sure. We have people who haven't have been doing physically active in 30 years. They're like, well, I had to have knee surgery. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me you still would have had bad knees if you just squat or didn't squat. Regardless, or right. run. Regardless you were going to have that surgery. You're right. going to have that surgery no matter what. No matter what. You cannot fix it. And it, it, it always blows my mind how, as a society, and it's gotten worse and worse and worse and worse, that people, as they continually to grow older, that they are quote unquote now limited by their age and they can no longer do physical activity anymore because of they got bad shoulders or you know whatever it may be. And it's just not, it's just a, in my opinion, it's just an excuse just not to do anything at all. For sure. But it's also like, I don't know if you think the same way, but like, let's say you have a bum knee and you, you say like, oh, I can never squat, I can never jump or never do all this stuff again. And you just decide not to, right? It's just only going to get worse, right? It's, I mean, there's no way you can do nothing and get better, correct? So why don't you just come in? Let's say just move. Maybe you just, you're not going to, obviously you're not going to start off back squatting 335, right? Like you're, there's going to be, you're going to probably squat to a chair. You're going to squat to a ball. You're going to remove the ball. You're going to add a goblet squat. Eventually you're going to be able to do these things again, but, and it might still hurt. But I guarantee you, you're going to have less pain doing this than just not doing anything. Well, I think maybe sometimes you have a false perspective on... Like, if it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt regardless. But, like, you can manage the pain. Yeah. I think some people have a false perspective of maybe what they're going to... As they get older, maybe as how things are going to feel. Like, naturally, as you increase in age, things are going to break down and not feel as great as they did. For sure. When you were 18, 16, 13, 25, whatever it may be. But... But that doesn't 
give you any excuse not to still be physically active. Yes, it doesn't feel as great as it would have been. Maybe you got to warm that joint up more than you're maybe. Like maybe used to. Maybe you're not as strong as maybe as you would like to be because of this knee injury that you maybe have or shoulder injury you occurred in the past, or maybe just put more limitations on yourself. But it still doesn't give any excuse as to not doing anything at For all. For sure. And that's, that's one thing that drives me insane when, you, when I hear that from people. And it's one of those things where you just, you, you're just like, oh, well, okay, man, that's cool. And you don't, and you don't really have the conversation. Well, especially when it's a family member, like I'm not, I'm not about getting an I'm not going to go, right? I'm not going to go into that sure. discussion. That's most time how that goes. I'm just like, I just turn away, talk to somebody else. Like I'm not about to get into this. With yeah. But it, it, it's something that does kind of eat at me when people say that, because obviously what you're doing right now is not advantageous either. And you're going to have to have some type of physical change occur. And that you're going to, there's no way around it. You're going to be physically active regardless of how you treat it. Regardless if you're in a freaking wheelchair, you only got one usage of an arm. It doesn't give you an excuse not to do anything at all. And where we are as the health points, as a society that people can't quite zone out from that and like take that 10 foot view to kind of look around and, and realize, okay, obviously, I'm putting these limitations on myself and this is why I am in the situation that I am now and I gotta, I gotta change something. And yeah. a lot of people still feel like exercise is a waste of time. And kind of going back to your questions, like I would almost argue that CrossFit is like one of the best things you could do with all the different scaling options and everything mm -hmm. than any other gym, especially for older people. Well, the thing that like... You know, like, like I mean, if you let's say you can't run, I'm gonna put you on a bike. You can't bike, I'm gonna put you on a rope. You can't row, I'm gonna put you on a skier. Like, like there's so many different ways that like, I feel like a CrossFit gym can scale and help you out if you do have an injury or maybe you're older. But I, I don't know, I don't know how you feel about that, but that's my take on that. Well, like compared to a typical normal gym setting, and I'm not saying necessarily those, the typical gym setting isn't <clears throat> advantageous as well. Like, they definitely see benefits of going to a, just even a traditional gym. The biggest thing is you gotta find a workout regimen that you enjoy to go to at the end of the day. But in a normal commercial gym, most people are gonna be pulling things from the floor, mm -hmm. not gonna be doing something with squatting to a degree, sure. doing it at a somewhat in higher heart rate than normal, mm -hmm. using some type of stability exercises of some kind. You're not gonna see that typically happen. You're gonna see more so Get on the machine, do some curls on the machine, do some, do some quad extensions, do some curls. quad extensions, and, and those things are fine too. I think they have a, I think they have a place for those things. But if you're talking for somebody to see the biggest bang for their buck, they're gonna have to probably step up on some things mm -hmm. like a box. They're gonna have to learn how to physically hang from something. They're gonna have to physically learn how to squat on and off a box or physically go squat their own body weight. And these are all things that like are gonna translate into like everyday life. Yes. To and be able to hold on to physical objects yeah. and carry them. Things that are actually gonna be applicable to when they're at home, that'll help them live a more fulfilling and longer life. Because mm -hmm. I forgot, I was listening to something the other day and they were talking about how um, once you get past the age of 65, if you were to fall and break your hip, which is a good possibility as you kind of creep into that 65 plus year old age group, that you have a 15, I think it's 15 to 30% chance that you're going to die within 12 months. Really? That's how you, high. If you fall and break your hip? With, or, or your femur. One of the two. That you have 15 to 30% chance that you're going to die. And just like, that's nuts. Compared to the otherwise. 
and it's just like it's just those simplistic things of regardless of what you have going on you still have to look at it that I still have to take care of myself for these long-term function I still have to live with I think so many people have the, the scope of looking at it through the lens of looking better always it's like you know how can I perform and or look better and on the surface level that's like especially as you get older it's like nothing that you really even care about all that much more so as it's more how it can help me in my daily functions with mental clarity mood confidence the functionality of how I live my life and how I can live my life more freely because of how much I've taken care of my health mm-hmm. in the years leading up to this point in time and that's ultimately what you're going to do and you're, you're training for life at the end of the day and in life the main protocols that you need is obviously functionality of being able to live every single day where if you fall on the ground you can get yourself off the ground you can lift things overhead you can pull something off the ground you get in and out of a chair without any issues you don't need any assistance with walking and to help out with all these things you need external loads like deadlifting pressing squatting carrying pull-ups push-ups running jumping all these things are still involved with you living a more fulfilled healthy life longer down the road regardless of what you physically look like but that's everybody let's do just that small little lens of looking better performing better and at you know people who use that crutch of well i'm hurt you're only gonna that road's only gonna get deteriorate faster as you progress and it's one thing that that, that drives me completely insane that people do that Uh, and it's one thing if somebody's just likes a particular exercise regimen they're like oh well i do this particular type of exercise and that just floats my boat i like that and that's fine yeah right like but the thing is like you you have to do something physically active that's always my question when somebody like a member comes here like hey i want to cancel my membership my first question usually is okay what's what's your plan from here yeah what's your exercise regimen are you going to go do once you leave this leave these walls and if there's no really no response there that's an issue that i have for sure i I mean like i don't give a shit if you're here or you're somewhere else but you got to do something physically active if you decide this is not for you anymore or this this exercise workout protocol is is not what gets you motivated to keep coming in you got to find something something that at least involves some type of weightlifting and some type of cardiovascular aspect on a regular basis yeah Regardless, I, I, and it's the only hiccup that I have a little bit with people who do like Peloton all the time. Yeah, that they're no not form of like yes. muscle building. Yes, and, and a little bit of my hiccup when I have people, like people who do Orange Theory is you're not lifting enough external load on a regular basis mm-hmm. for a longevity standpoint. I think it's great for cardiovascular endurance, and I think that's a great thing that you're doing. But it does not check the box of lifting enough external load to challenge the body to build to keep skeletal muscle mass and bone mass density that you're going to need to live a longer fulfilled life at the end of the day. You're going to have to lift a little bit more weight loading than what you're doing on a regular basis. And that's, that's the only caveat that I heavily have with those kind of workout regimens is things like that. I think they're great to do if there's, you know, if there's a more fun for you to do and there's something that's spiky, but you still got to lift weights at least a couple times a week on top of that. So, uh, and then anything else to add to that real quickly? No, I like that. I like where we're All right, at. real quick before we sign off for the day. Who you got tonight? Utah, Florida? Utah and Florida. Florida at Utah. All right. Give what is the, I know you know what the spread is. What's the spread? Uh, right now, it should it's be seven? like seven. Should seven. be like six and a half or seven. Okay. Um, so, for everybody, last year, Florida won 
Utah went to Florida, and Florida beat them. Exactly. And I Last think Utah's ranked like pretty high, like top 10. Like top 10, right? Top 10. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Utah throws an interception in the end zone to lose the game. Late in the right? game, yes. Uh, they had a chance to win the game. Yes. Uh, Lowest by like two or three points. Um, I mean, if I, I think if Cam Rising plays for Utah, I, th- I think Utah wins a somewhat close game. I'm not going to say it's going to be a nail-biter, but I'm going to say, like... If somebody's using Kell's advice, they've gotten this far to the podcast. That is very true. That is very true. I, I right, mean, if they're going to bet on the game, they're taking Kell's advice. You go on, you taking the spread, or what you doing? I'm not taking the spread. Not taking the spread. So I'm you're saying it's, it's below seven. Yeah. I, so you say within the field goal. Yeah. I, I would say I don't trust Utah to win by seven. So they might, but I don't trust it. I think smart bet is just taking money line on Utah. Well, if, if you were so you saying betting line Utah wins if you were a betting person I think you take money line Utah because also I think it's bigger than just the game I think like they lost last year they made Pac-12 look bad so like yeah. I also think that they're kind of fighting for Pac-12 like they lose this game then obviously like later in the year that could hurt them in like a playoff contention and Pac-12 team almost yeah. getting in the playoff and oh well the SEC team SEC team beats you so this team gets it right yeah. um I think you go to Utah. I don't think it's a question. Okay. Utah. Cool. There you have it. Put a million dollars down on it. Don't do that. Because Kel's got your back. Next he's he's going to make all kinds of money tonight. Go bet you. on Utah. <laughs>